friends, you're listening to Mess and Magic, a safe place for women to explore the mess we encounter on this beautiful journey called life and celebrate how we've turned those into magical moments. I'm Destiny. And I'm Victoria. And in each episode, we'll impact topics around spiritual elevation, self-exploration, relationships of all kinds, career, and everything else in between. So grab a journal. And your sage. And let's dive in. Hello, soul friends. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Hello. Hello. So... It's so interesting. Every episode, I feel like we're in a new dynamic, exploring technology and the ways to record and deliver these episodes in new ways. Last time we took our equipment, well, OTB's equipment. And <laughs> Shout out to we, our production house. Yes, Malcolm at On The Brink Entertainment. Um, we took our equipment and we went to Hermosa Beach and we had the waves in front of us. We had the lovely sunset in front of us, the moon behind us. And today we are not together for the first time recording. I am at my home. Victoria is at her place of love and we are (laughs) recording via Zoom. Yes, yes. It's a very um, telling sign of the times, right? Because we haven't had like a a zoom call yet in this podcast and if it's anything about 2020 zoom has been zoom is zoom is it zoom, <laughs> zoom is the bay room zoom is the bay <laughs> let's talk black female friendships and relationships yes let's talk the mess mess and magic of that the mess and the magic honey Hell let's get yeah. Um, you know, it's holiday season, um, and around this time we get back with family, we reconnect with friends and all that. And I just think, I don't know why I thought it would just be important to kind of talk about, um, the dynamics between black women, but it's special. It's, it's relevant, not just because it's who we are, but I think we are going through so many changes as a group um we're going through a lot of changes with our identity we're coming into a lot of power and sometimes when we have the spotlight kind of placed on that it it shines a spotlight on maybe some of the on some of the challenges too and i don't want to necessarily like you know call them issues necessarily we'll get into to all that but I do think that a a relationship as a black woman with another black woman is very special and how deep it is, how honestly, how complicated it can be at times. Um, and not just from the experience that we have within our lifetimes, but I think experiences just as a, as a culture, what's carried over into those dynamics. So yeah i'm I'm excited to get into this one yeah same this is a topic that i am very passionate about um friendships yes but just the community aspect the support aspect that you get from a fellow black woman that you don't get from anyone else in your life and i know personally growing up 
I didn't have good examples of that. I didn't think that that was normal. I thought that it was normal for relationships between black women to be severed. But now that I'm older, I'm realizing just how important just that communal aspect is. Like for instance, I just joined Clubhouse and I'm in this group called Modern Black Girl. Thanks for inviting me, I got it. Yes, <laughs> um, and two of my black girlfriends invited me into this community and Tiffany J, who is a young black woman is leading this. And she also just got a message from Clubhouse saying, that she is one of the biggest groups clubs on clubhouse and it's a group of mainly black women and we're sharing wealth building knowledge so i'm really excited to um dive into this topic so um i would like to start just exploring and sharing the examples we had of sisterhood whether mm -hmm. severed or beautifully strong growing up when we were children so um, yeah. what examples that you see growing up whether it be from family friends teachers mm -hmm. community whatever yeah yeah for sure um a lot of my experience growing up i grew up in basically an all-female household um i was the youngest out of three um and it was my mom my and my two older sisters and my, and my grandmother too, who would help my mom out in um, raising us and my grandfather. But for the most part, just a lot of feminine energy at once. And honestly, growing up in that did feel a little disconnected. I felt very connected to my grandmother, but a lot of what I saw growing up was a very kind of fighter mentality in terms of identity space and in a sense there's always that sibling rivalry right with everybody you know don't touch my stuff um don't do this get out the bathroom you're taking too long but there there were some occasions to where the relationship with me and my sisters it was just very combative a lot of times um and I don't know if that necessarily had a lot to do with us as black women and maybe it, you know, th there, there were like subliminal messages kind of placed in our heads that we needed to kind of fight against each other. Um, at that time, it definitely got a little better once we moved out for a period. And so I think like maturing, um, definitely helped with that. Um, but as far as like outside of the household, my experience with, with black women and just like black, like a lot of black kids, um, in, in my community growing up in Memphis, wasn't the easiest. I was sent to, and my sisters were as well, and they had issues with this too. Um, I was sent to a primarily, um, white private school, white private Catholic school growing up and with myself and my two sisters going there, there was one other black person. And so- I'm sure that everybody thought that was your cousin or your sister. I was just about <laughs> to say that. They would, be, they would literally be like, yo, um, I talked to your cousin the other day. I was like, I don't have a cousin who goes here. Like that's, 
no or, or it'd be like you guys look just like you know every every dumb racist thing that could have been said happened during my experience at that school um i had confederate flags put on my lockers i was told i couldn't go to slumber parties and stuff because i was black like no though um it was it was very harsh um it was the south and it sucked um however there were i did i did make friends like it, some parents had sense who sent their kids to the schools and therefore they had kids who went there who weren't racist so um i did make friends with them um but when i it was time for me to go to middle school just financially just didn't make sense for my mom as a single mother to keep paying this much money to send me to this this private school and also now supporting um I had one sister in college at the time and then another sister about to go to college, you know, in a couple Shout of years. Shout out to moms. Yeah. Yo, single black mama. mothers. Yo, <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, she placed me in um, public school and education wise, like the public school was great, but it was the first time that I was around now majority like black people and outside of the few times that I had spent like hanging out with my cousin, I got like my play cousin because my um her mom and my mom had been best friends for years. Um, yeah, I really hadn't had that much time around other black kids, and I got all the and, and now it was, it was kind of like the the opposite of well, honestly, no, it, it was kind of like the same type of bullying. It was just coming from different people. It's like now you weren't good enough for the white people and now you're not good enough for the black people. And it was everything from Oreo. You talk white. You think that you're better than us because you talk white. All that kind of like bullshit that makes absolutely no sense. Um, and I'll get into why uh, white supremacy started that later. But um, that was kind of my experience in, in my youth with, with forming um, early on black relationships. And honestly, I don't think it was until maybe eighth grade that I connected with um, other black girls who I was like, oh, like, you're not gonna try to beat me up because I watch anime and I play video games. That, okay, cool, this is actually really nice. Like that was the year that I met Veronica. And, <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. like a friend you know um oh, veronica was that first friend yeah she oh that's so special <laughs> i didn't even yeah. know that yeah. shout out pcr that's yes. so special yeah that's why y'all's yes. bond is so strong yeah yeah no for real because i think like she had had similar experiences too um and it's crazy that happened because in all honesty i know like a lot of black kids had that experience with feeling like there was something wrong about their blackness um, because of what they looked like, what they were interested in. And I think I carried that for a minute, probably until like my junior year of college. And I was just really able to see more black women who had similar experiences and didn't want to carry that weight anymore because there's absolutely like there's absolutely nothing wrong there's no one specific way of being black but there is this idea that has been carried with a lot of us across generations that we have to perform a certain way or code switch or we can only like certain things you better like 
everyone wearing your natural hair and stuff like that, like, yo, you get teased for that. And it's, it's just nuts. I remember in high school, um, like the first time that I cut my, my relaxer off and I came to school that day, I got so dogged out. I was really like thinking, should I leave early today? You know, and it came, it came from black men and black women, both like, like bald headed, nappy headed bitch, all that other kind of stuff coming from black people, you know? And that was, that was really hurtful to have that. And so I'm just, I, I'm grateful that I think we've, we've definitely clearly grown as a community. Um, and then also that I've been able to have healthy relationships with black women and also with black men um, after a shaky kind of foundation. So that was, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, what was it like for, for you? For me, I love that you started by diving into the family dynamic. So that's what I'm gonna do. Growing up, same as you, a lot of feminine energy around. It was my mother, it was my grandmother, it was my two little sisters, me sharing that middle space, and then my older sister. My sisters were all I had in my earlier years. We were very, very close. Specifically, my sister who did split the, the middle part with me. Um, her name was Deshauna, absolute angel, was my absolute bestest friend until she passed away um, a while ago. And um, yeah, so that was very difficult, but her and I had gotten so close because she did have a physical disability mm -hmm. and my mom was a single mom. So she worked a lot. So I spent a lot of time taking care of my little sister. I was very nurturing and I enjoyed it. And yeah, so we had a very close bond. She was 100% accepting of me. I remember whenever I would feel sad because my older sister was teasing me or I felt under misunderstood, she'd be like, come here. And I'd lay my head on her shoulder and she'd like rub my head and she'd be like, it's okay, Destiny, it's okay. So that was my intro to true, genuine, unconditional, loving friendship my sister that's beautiful yeah it was it was amazing and um my relationship with my older sister it was not the best not the healthiest but um you know since we have talked about it and um maybe on one episode we can dive deeper deeper into that um sibling relationship mm -hmm. but her and i are actively and intentionally um build rebuilding our relationship up now that we're older but yeah that's how it was for me and as far as examples that i had in my life they weren't the best at all they were very toxic violent and relationships that you wouldn't even think about having in your life i have seen some very crazy things that have come from people who were supposed to be friends of my loved ones. For instance, my sister had this group of friends and from the outside looking in, I'm thinking they're friends. I remember one day my sister wasn't home. These girls who had been at my house, they had stayed the night, 
you know, multiple times. My mom was always a loving person as well, where she would open up her doors if my sister or a family member um, didn't have a place to stay. They would always stay with us. So one day my sister's friends showed up. A few of them had stayed with us in the, in the past. Of course, I'm young. I don't even think I was 10. I let them in. They went into her room, literally stole all of her stuff, took her clothes, her shoes, her cameras, her bag, technology, threw it out of the window and took her stuff and left. They never came back to the front to leave. Wow. And me being young, I think I was just playing video games, not paying attention and some time had passed. And I'm like, my mom wasn't home either. Cause again, she's, she was a single mom. So she was gone. Mm. It was just me and my younger sisters there. And I went back, I went to the back and my sister's window was open and her room was pretty much cleared out. Wow. Also, the most oh, scary God. thing I have seen, and I'm, I, I guess I can say it. This is very vulnerable. Um, but my mom had us at a very young age. I remember when my mom was 27. Mm. So she was young and she did make some mistakes, especially with friendships. She was a bit of a blabbermouth. <laughs> I think she had shared some information or she had gossiped about one of her friends who we used to live down the street from or a few we lived in a housing addition in townhomes and um, this woman lived two doors down i remember going to the woman's house and watching movies playing with her kids and vice versa they would go to our house and my mom would feed them and we would watch movies and hang out and sled um, then we moved away from that housing addition. We came back, I think a month, not a month, um, like a year or some months later, and we moved across the lake, but in the same housing addition. Uh, the woman saw that my mom was there. Um, mm -hmm. She came over while my, my mom was holding my little sister, Deshauna, who had the disability, and she held a gun to my mom's head. And oh, I don't, it, yeah. it was a blur, but I think... I remember she was like saying like, D I don't know what my mom said, <laughs> but she had shared some information or I have no clue, but those are the things that I saw growing mm -hmm. up and it was, it was normal. Um, I also grew up in sort of a similar situation um, where I, I did go to sorry there's noise outside um i did go to for about three years a um 100 pretty much white school where it was just me my sister and another girl but that was like later on or in the middle of el my elementary career but you know sandwiched in front and beyond i was in um one pretty much 100 black schools public schools mm -hmm. horrible education by the way absolutely horrible education by the way but i just grew up not fitting in 100 percent no one ever talked about the way that i spoke because mm -hmm. before i went to college i definitely had my midwest gary indiana accent i was just very different i was quiet i wasn't the type of person naturally that people gravitated toward i was a person who liked video games who mm -hmm. liked tech um, again, my 
my younger sister was my best friend. So I was playing with dolls. She's two years younger than me. So I would play with her and her dolls like <laughs> later than people usually would. So um, I would have friends, but I always felt like the odd one out. And yeah. I do think that the friends that I had, because I was always in like a trio all the time. Um, the friends that I did have, they enjoyed having that odd one out i felt like mm. and i remember one day i had this these two girlfriends i don't remember their names but i remember one time i was like you know what i'm tired of being the odd one out and i went to them and i had a very honest conversation and i told them i feel like you guys are leaving me out and i got emotional and they started laughing at me oh my god <laughs> they started laughing at the me trauma. and i'm all I'm only laughing right now because I just visualized that whole scene playing in my head and it was like because <laughs> it's like okay if you're you're a little removed from it you can laugh about it now but at that time no that's very traumatic you were being vulnerable with two your two friends and mm -hmm. they find your vulnerability funny funny yeah yeah um so yeah that was I learned from that situation where, okay, I'm not going to be vulnerable with any other of my friends anymore because I see that, you know, people don't respect it. Um, and I felt weird from it. But aside from all of those bad experiences and horrible um, situations mm -hmm. that I saw play out, I did learn the importance of supporting people of being loyal to people and not turning your back on people. Mm -hmm. Now, back then it was to a fault because my mom definitely did, was way too open with a lot of her friends. Like I said, she opened our doors and let people in um, to stay with us often for months. Had someone staying with us for a year and then they turn around and, you know, do something shady to her yeah. so all those things to a fault i have seen but i can say now that when i do have a friend who i love and appreciate very loyal always there for them and will never turn my back on them just mm -hmm. because i saw the impact that my mom had on people's lives um so yeah that's that was my early early on my examples and what that moved me into is just a place of me just naturally not being very open to people and naturally not putting intention into making friends so i was definitely that solo dolo girl who did not care for a very long time up until i got into high school Mm, mm. How do you feel like, I guess, how that shows up in your relationships now? And I guess maybe do you feel, do you feel more empowered in your friendships with black women now? Or what's your experience with that? Um, what's my experience now? You know, when I was in college, so early 20s, I was in a serious relationship. So I, and I had one girlfriend, I had one girlfriend and um, her and I 
were close. But what I noticed with my relationship then and my relationships now that I'm working on, I do give my friends a bit too much grace. Hmm. So, you know, um, we'll go in and we'll talk about this later with white supremacy and the scarcity complex that black women specifically have, you know, we're always in competition. I find that in a lot of my adult relationships, which again has not been a lot, I'm first I would like to say it's important to have a network of people you know, but as far as people I call friends have been very has been very slim. And I have found in that relationship with my girlfriend in college and my earlier relationships as an adult post-college, there was a lot of jealousy, a lot of envy, and from the other person's part, and they would express that to me in very sly and shady ways. And mm. since it wasn't direct, I would give them a lot of grace. Mm. Um, so I feel like now how that all played in you know plays into today um one i know people aren't perfect i've seen some brutal friendships so that is why i think i give a lot of people grace i do think people can grow um but also it has led me to not set strong boundaries when it comes to things that aren't so direct which i am working on yeah uh, but beyond that, um, what you had just said, it does make me really cherish my friendships now like you, you that are loving, love you, <laughs> that are loving, that are supportive, mm -hmm. that's just beautiful. Like I cherish this because I didn't experience this. I, I didn't see this. I, I think this is 100% special and I've told you, you know, many times before that um, this relationship is nurturing and mutually beneficial in a way that has helped me just open my mind and my heart to all of my relationships in my life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love that. So I want to ask you that question. How do you think your past experience is um, showing up with you as an adult? Yeah, um, definitely. I. I think about the first time that we met and how stiff my body was. And it wasn't until recently I really started to learn about how we hold trauma in our bodies and how that can play out into our reactions, how that might muddle what we think is intuition when really it's just anxiety, right? Um, I went to this uh, massage therapist a few weeks ago um, and she's really really talented in like homeopathic massage therapy and she would touch a certain place on my body and be like oh so um tell me about the relationship with your father like oh so like it, it, it was, she's very intuitive um and i say that in just from my initial reaction which is sometimes what i will have when i first meet i think like other just high energy, like strong presence, like black women like myself. And naturally, like my body will respond like a threat. And it's, and that's, I, and I hate to like bring that up 
but it's something that's very real and I don't know if other people kind of feel like that but I think it's definitely something from past experiences I had with other strong black women and it was always something competitive or combative and it may put me in a lot of um flight or fight mode sometimes um and now just with us being best friends and like there's nothing but love you know for you and so like it i'm i'm so happy that i've had this experience like i had my relationship with veronica someone i've known since childhood because it's really great to see how things can change um and i don't know you never really know why things happen right like there were there were times i would be in middle school or high school and i would just I would just be so tired of like having to go to school and be ready to like defend being myself, you know, because I, I sometimes would be like, okay, like who's going to try me today sometimes. And I was just like, why can't I just be like a cool black girl? And now knowing that there's no such thing really, like there, there is no cool black girl. There is no hierarchy of your blackness and how you should show up. Social media, the internet has has really changed um so many different things because yeah it, it allows us to be able to see other people who went through things that are similar um and and shout out too to the kids who just owned it continuously and created this whole other culture of like now now it's cool to change your hair like every other day um now it's cool to be i mean doja cat has a whole music video where she's an anime character and it, it is and it, there i think there was like a portion where i was a little frustrated like damn i wish this could have been back in my day you know but i'm happy that it's here now and that we we have this ability to be vulnerable to show up as ourselves and and stand that power and not saying that everyone still agrees to it because there still might be people who are like no, I don't, I don't get with that. That's, that's not black enough or whatever. And it's, and, and that's, that's their truth that they want to own that. But it's really great that the majority of people don't feel that way anymore. Um, that, that, that's really beautiful. And that's what feels, um, honestly, like really empowering for me. It's so interesting, um, that you share that your response to linking up with like-minded black women your first physical response based off your past trauma is like this fight or flight type of feeling because um and i didn't i didn't get to this or i forgot to mention this when you asked me you know how my past shows up in today well one just answering that i am very i have a, my guard up 100 mm percent -hmm. like i'm very smiley happy we can kiki, I can, you know, get to know you, but when it comes to someone, you know, actually stepping in my space and becoming my friend, I definitely have a guard up. And you, so we, I, we've shared this a bit in the, in, you know, one of our past episodes, I think the first episode, I remember we were working at, you know, the company we were working at, I was just in my work, just like, I'm just here to get this work, get this check and go home. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember Victoria came over and sat on this Bosu ball. Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. You were about to, you were like, hey, <laughs> like, what's up? And I, I, I remember I was just like, I didn't, I wasn't like, who is this bitch over here talking? I didn't have that energy, but I was just like, hi. <laughs> but in all like, honesty, like, why are you talking to me? Like, it wasn't like why you were talking to me. It was just like, also one, we can get into this in a whole nother episode, but based off of relationships that I've had with black women in um, the corporate office who I've befriended. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yes. We, we can talk about that now or another episode, but based off of that, I definitely just have my guard up 100%. So when you came over, I was just like, hey, and we just started talking and then we found found out that we both were you know um like creative entrepreneurs and then i don't even know how this happened but we were here today yes, <laughs> so yes. um so i don't think that i don't i personally have not felt that or seen that within mm -hmm. you even though it's an internal feeling I've only mm -hmm. seen like nothing but love coming from you whether it's me or your or like girl I've seen you work a room where it's like a group of people you don't know and you're just going up and talking and listening to people it's just 100 percent love there thank you I, I I will I receive that I receive that um because yeah I'm sometimes yeah I'm really nervous and maybe um I, it is nothing but love. It It is always nothing but love. But that energy maybe mask a lot of the nervousness that I have sometimes. Um, and, it, and it's crazy being almost 30 years old and realizing that I have been keeping um, the same kind of belief system since I was like eight and really dismantling that especially over these past couple years with the like new amazing people in my life and it's just new experiences that are just kind of tearing down a lot of things or belief systems i had about black people black women black men too um and and that feels that feels really good like i'm super happy that that's how i come off because yes. <laughs> yeah. and i don't think I don't think I've shared this before too, but I have definitely grew up with the experience of rejection, yeah. whether it be from making friends or to men, young men finding me desirable. Like mm. middle school, I remember I went to a new middle school and all of the black girls hated me. They did think I was bougie because they took my shyness as um, bougie-ness. Why do they and... always do that? Can a, can a nigga just be shy? <laughs> can we just be shy? Can you help us open up? And also, I do have a very black and bougie grandmother, and she, she owns it. Shout and... out to your grandmama. Can she be my, <laughs> my mentor? <laughs> and I, I did show up bougie. Like, I had on, like, um, cardigans with buttons and um, scarves. Because <laughs> my grandmother was like, buy his clothes and stuff you know so um and i also kind of like during that time i had definitely owned being an outcast because i had felt so bad about it for so long that i was like you know what f it i don't care like i got me um especially after my sister passed away i'm like i experienced genuinely genuine friendship and i have to live 
live for her now. I was just like, screw it, you know? And again, I was also the girl in high school, similar. Girl, I was shaving my head. I was doing all types of stuff. And honestly, it got to a point where I would do, I would do stuff because that's where I would get my fuel. Like, mm -hmm. you, you know, like you're going to think I'm an outcast, but you're going to know who I am type of ish. I but love that. I digress, but um, <laughs> going back to what I was talking about is I do have like a past of rejection and I'm now at 25, I'm getting out of this mindset. So I do, I guess, I don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily say that it's, it's a nervous feeling within me, but if I'm, you know, meeting someone new and I'm talking to them, my first instance is, um, you know, I'm not going to fit into this person with this person. This person isn't going to, um, want to befriend me. And even with men, like often, which I'm getting out of it now because, you know, I've had multiple dating experiences, but I remember fresh out of college when I moved out here, I would just meet men and I would talk to them and it wouldn't even cross my mind that they would like me. And I wouldn't even try to think about liking them because I'm like they're they're not going to like me I'm I'm not that type of a girl so all that to say that I definitely um agree with you and resonate mm -hmm. with that that I I am working on changing my belief system because I'm I'm just not that girl any, anymore right right and yeah. and changing how you know what the whole idea of outcast right and maybe thinking less about it as something exclusatory and more so like that's just the original part of me you know um and i fit into any space because as a being here on this earth like i am it is my birthright to take up space it is my birthright to to be here and to to shine my light and to to be my whole self so yeah um you you said something too about uh with i think guys earlier and um when we were kind of planning this episode you're you said something about i only have male friends or i don't get along with women and just kind of and that was triggering for me because i think i've um i've heard that before and i think i've said that before too um when i, I was yeah oh sorry i think that definitely used to be me when i was in high school i would have only like gay male friends gay yeah. male friends <laughs> Yeah, no, for real. That that really was that really was it. Um, like, yeah, in, in high school, um, for me too, and I think a little bit in college also. Like, I just always I, I was pulling so many bad experiences I had from other black women, and I knew like I could keep a, a very clear boundary with any guys I hung out with. Like, it was easy. They tended to what I found to not be so um they just weren't as intimidating to to kind of deal with i didn't feel like that same kind of um what was in my head combative energy and um and i think like especially earlier in high school there was um a certain type of shared understanding of being a weird black girl and um, a gay black man in the South. And it was kind of that camaraderie that we shared, you know, like it was kind of like all the, all the artsy like kids kind of pulled together and stuff. Like, and I think like the kind of what I thought of myself being kind of weird or an outcast, like, yeah, it was just easier to, to relate. So yeah. What, what's your experience with that? So 
my experience, at first it was lovely um, because uh, my male gay best friends uh, that I met, we just came together naturally. First off, before we get into everything, I want to say shout out to my boo, my bestest, my friend ever, my backbone, Taylor Harrell. He is one of those people where, you know those friends where you don't talk to them often, but when you get together, when you talk, it just feels like soul food. Like hearing mm. their voice is like just soothing and you just feel open and like you're giving a warm hug. This is my best friend, Taylor. <laughs> like with Taylor, um, it was interesting because he was inter interest. So he, <laughs> oh, we can talk. I don't want to deep dive into this because it because I know we get a little bit off the topic. But um, he was like always a nurturing person. I remember in middle school, I would go to the lunchroom. He was in band. I was in orchestra. And one day I didn't have a dollar. Like I left my money at home, and then he gave me a dollar for um come on, friend. Come on taylor <laughs> for food. but the funny thing is i kept asking him for dollars and he would give them to me until probably after two months he was like girl go and get your own dollar <laughs> and then i was like fine then i'm not gonna be friends with you this was like i was in middle school it was stupid whatever but like fast forward i don't know how like he's just my my best friend and what's interesting is he is a he has a lot of like masculine energy like he he doesn't really have like like oh more feminine or more masculine mm -hmm. he is honestly like he shows up just as any heterosexual man would in you know my life now of course we do kiki and we have like our inside jokes and we both twerk and stuff but other than that he is he was just very much like a male energy in my life mm -hmm. so i love him but my other um gay best friends who i had they had more of a feminine energy mm -hmm. and i did love them but it was still that same um complex that i would get from if i was in a, a friendship with black women wow. where after a while, like we were all in show choir, which, you know, show choir, theater mm -hmm. kids, we dramatic, honey. <laughs> we, we tried to like, who gonna get dance captain? Who gonna, <laughs> who gonna get the, who gonna be Dorothy and the Wiz? <laughs> so, <laughs> which I was both. <laughs> but um, I remember yeah. I had a, a show choir friend and, um, like we were best friends, but after a while it just became very competitive. And I remember he was campaigning for another woman who was white to be dance captain. And I was oh, no. like, I remember I started crying. I called him, I was like, how could you do that? How could you do that? You campaigning against me? <laughs> and then. <laughs> Wait, was this for the Wiz? Like why? No offense, but why is the white woman trying to star in the Wiz? No, this was for dance captain of our show choir. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure. I was like, hold on, what's going on at the school? Oh, oh no, no. Um, but yeah, that was just one example. But I would just have like stuff like that because we were all in the performance arts and um, it just became very competitive. And I think it was diff. I I set up a boundary because it was difficult for me because I was I felt that I was more emotionally vulnerable 
than they were because I was a woman. And it just, it was, it just became very taxing on me. And I felt like there were times when my gay male best friends were like just ruthless to me Mm, and anything I could say and that I could do, they wouldn't care because they weren't as emotionally vulnerable as I was. So I set up a, a, a boundary there and I realized that, you know, after high school, um, that there there is a certain dynamic that happens between male and female relationships and more so it has to be healthy and solid like my relationship with taylor if i'm going to be um friends with a male yeah yeah oh the boundaries i wish that i think i had maybe set up clear boundaries i think i said it earlier like it was a very clear boundary but I now going back and looking at it, like I don't think it was maybe clear enough sometimes with um, some of my male friends in college because somehow like feelings on their side would always develop, and I would Are know they that heterosexual man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it would and it would um and I don't know why I think like like my dad was um he was never like super emotional. And growing up, like emotions in my family weren't always shared in a really positive way. So sometimes I would see, like if someone was sharing an emotion, whether they were sad or angry, it would always be very, very abrasive. So I would usually tend to go to relationships or friendships that didn't show a lot of that because if, if someone was pretty mellow and chill and never really showed a lot of their expression, then I knew I could prevent um, a lot of unneeded unrest or just combat any anything that would mean I would have to once again, like stand my ground constantly. And yeah, and, and unfortunately I think that kind of showed up in having some male friendships where there were like underlying feelings from the guys but i like even knowing that i would just kind of instead of giving it space where maybe they could express it we could deal with it and you know from there decide whether or not we want to keep the relationship uh going or friendship going um i don't think i always gave space for a guy to express that so then it would always kind of lead to some blow up um yeah just and not necessarily like a a huge argument blow up just honestly like just an awkward situation right where they you know we're out having drinks or whatever and um they might try to kiss me and then i'm like no like brother hold on bobby hold hold on boo yeah exactly brother brother (laughs) brethren brethren brother hold on no chapel no (laughs) and then it's an awkward situation now we're just kind of like okay well um how am i supposed to be vulnerable with you and be a friend if i have these underlying feelings which i totally understand because i've also been on that side of the coin and my like previous toxic relationship loving ass would be like okay that's okay i'll I'll be your friend. I'm, I'm in love with you, but I'll be your friend on the side and just watch you live your best life and <laughs> and date Shelly and Latricia. 
And then Latricia, man, yeah, that, it's no, that's no way to live. Um, so it's <laughs> no way to live. So, we laugh now, but I know that had to be painful, honey. It was, it was, you know, a gosh. But I think a part of me liked the pain. Happened to me before. While I'm la- laughing, that happened to me. <laughs> it's being pulled out the subconscious. Oh, I, I forgot about it. It was so painful. I just. <laughs> That's crazy though. Like honestly, sometimes when we're having these conversations, I will I would have forgotten about a lot of these experiences. And as we're talking, they'll just come up, and I'm like, "Damn, bitch, you remember the the hard thing?" <laughs> hey, hey, depression. Yeah, it's me. I'm like, you remember us? Heart being ripped out of your chest. <laughs> me. <laughs> Lying awake at three o'clock in the morning, listening look, to Radiohead on repeat. <laughs> but look, girl, when I was listening, that's how I found Licky Lee in like 1992, and like all these other um, bands because I was going through that situation. But I found out that the guy who was my friend, who I don't want to dive into this because we will really get off topic, but he turned out he's a gay man. And you know what's crazy? What? I'ma just put it out there. They probably they probably listen or they probably not. I don't know. But he had a twin. Wow. And his twin was openly gay. And I was his no, he wasn't openly gay. Like people knew, but his family didn't know. And oh. I was his brothers, his gay brothers, fake girlfriend to his family. You were the beard? Oh man. <laughs> and then I started liking the other one. And then we would like we would like kiki and do all this stuff, but he would um, be so resistant. And then he started dating this other girl who was like kind of in our circle, but not in our circle. And I was like, my heart. <laughs> but it turns out he in he's he's a gay man. Wow, damn, that's a. That's, I had a crush on a gay, couple of gay guys before. Dynamic, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. I don't know, like. <laughs> Sexuality is very fluid. Like, you know, when you think about it, and especially attraction, mm-hmm. like it's, it doesn't, even if you, um, you know, you're, you're gay, like you can still be very attracted to somebody who doesn't share your same sexuality. I don't know. Like the way the perfect you walk, example, huh? sorry. Oh no, um, go on. I was going to say the perfect example of that is in the queen's gambit. I can't remember. Have you seen that show? Yet? I haven't. I haven't. Oh my god, it. it's amazing. I can't. I can't remember the characters' names, of course. Um, but um, basically, the main character is a woman, and she's like this boss-ass chess player. And at one of her tournaments, her first tournament, she meets this guy, and they definitely have this instant attraction. It's like mm. magnetic, and they're not flirting, but they just definitely are like tit for tat with their energy. And then they end up linking up like a year or two later, and now she is like this chess boss, and she goes to his room. He's a reporter for like this chess magazine and he's like I want to take some photos of you and they started taking photos and it gets sensual and it I think they lean in and they're about to kiss and then his boyfriend walks in Ooh, so he's buying <laughs> oh no I no he's a gay man but I think it was something about her wow something about her that just bling, 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 I don't know and then he showed up later in the show and like was supporting her, but they definitely had like 
friendship energy after that and then he sort mm-hmm. of explained that to her like you know I'm sorry like I tried to tell you um but there was just wow Ooh, okay I'm gonna have to watch you you did tell me to watch Queen's Gambit oh it's oh. fire girl like if I had time I would learn how to play chess <laughs> I want to be a, a, a world renowned chess player <laughs> if uh people keep passing out from these vaccines you're gonna have plenty more time to learn how to play chess because we're not going outside anytime, anytime soon <laughs> okay. but yeah back on topic we hope you guys like our like i they're not tangents they're just um ripples of thought <laughs> but it still brings us to the story it still it still is a part of the story mm-hmm. um, okay so I, I want to talk about just in terms of we, we talked about our feelings like forming bonds with black women and I kind of want to talk about maybe diving deeper into some of the reasons why it can be a little complex or challenging to, to form deep bonds with other black women and you brought up scarcity which is really great yeah. um, and we talked Cause, about yeah because there's well growing up specifically <clears throat> let me tell you this one there's two things that I want to say of course, there are all these multiple things I want to say, but I digress, as always. <laughs> um, one, I just want to say that naturally, I am not a competitive person. Hmm. So when I was younger and my sisters, my younger sister, Najma, my older sister, Morgan, they are fire signs. They are very like nitpicky. I remember they would nitpick at me. Also, my little brother, he had hawk hands. My little brother on my dad's side, he had hawk hands. And he would hit me, oh. like, hawk hands, like the, the toy. And I remember he would hit me with the hawk hands. Because, you know, he's a boy oh. he's oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember I would just be so upset with them. I'm like, I don't want to fight you guys. Like, I would cry. And I would, like, go to my dad for my little brother. I go to my mom with my sisters. And I'm like, they just keep wanting to fight and do all this. And I just don't want to. It was draining to me. I, I didn't like that. I wasn't good at playing sports, although I'm super tall. I wasn't good at playing sports because I'm just I just wasn't a competitive person. Girl, I tried playing basketball for my dad, which that's a, a whole complex thing. I did it for him because I I wanted his love. But oh, I quit. Wow. I quit immediately. <laughs> I was like, I want it that bad, honey. This is too much. Um, I just was not good at sports because you have to be driven by competition and aggression. And I just, at that point, I had literally not a competitive bone in my body. So Mm -hmm. naturally not competitive. But also I want to say too, that my grandmother, um, again, she's like very bougie and she knows it bad and bougie, um, highly successful, highly like a manifester created the life that she wants but she based off the environment that she grew up in she had to be the chosen black woman Mm. right and she had to groom herself in a certain way so she could be put into that position so she didn't blatantly tell me that but when i was in college and looked back at you know, the conversations and the type of verbiage she would use to me. Like, I remember I started playing the violin because she's like, not a lot of people play, not a lot of black women play the violin. So you Mm. need to play the the violin. Like, you have to show up this way because black women aren't showing up this way. You have to show up this way. So 
she meant well and she she did do great by me you know I picked up those lessons and they definitely have helped me achieve greatly and be accepted in spaces but that just goes to support the idea that the scarcity complex is built because they're in a, in a group of people only one black woman is getting a seat at the table no. even if it's three you know that even though you have 50 women at the table and three of them are black your competition are the black women like you have to be the top top black woman so scarcity complex you know in competition for men in competition for opportunities and in competition for just space you know um and it's going crazy outside we're gonna wait <laughs> the sirens popping up. Girl, my block has been hot y'all there was a set it off scene outside of my apartment building two weeks ago like set it off queen latifah they had the the um the helicopter shining the light cops were behind their doors like telling the personal like come out put your hands up this block has been high i don't know what's been going on um but yeah back what i was saying just um scarcity complex um constantly in competition and um it was more so normal um pre-social media now that we have social media we understand that we can we can create our own space and that there is more than enough space and um also too you know it's not just the majority white spaces that we have to penetrate and to be successful in like yeah. there are minority spaces there are spaces with black women that you don't have to feel like you have to be put in competition but still that doesn't dilute the fact that we still do um have that competition here mm -hmm. um, because of that and i and that more so has stemmed from what you felt passionate about talking about in this episode which is white supremacy yeah absolutely um just going back and thinking about how the majority of my, I guess like negative or challenging relationships with black women were when I was in high school, um, college and middle school, it had so much to do around race. Like, so originally, right. So I come into middle school and I'm told I'm acting too white Oreo, how I, how I talk, how I show up is, um, not black enough. And it's like, okay, well, who put these ideas of what is black and it's white people um, that I like, it's, it's inter inherently racist to one, um, think that black people have to adhere to a certain identity um, based upon what systems that white people have already set up. Um, and, and yeah, and I, th I think that has followed into a lot of different thought patterns. I think it's fallen to scarcity, um, us thinking that we have to constantly fight for, for space because there's not enough um, for us in, in this country, in these spaces. Um, and it just, it, it sucks because, you know, America is inherently built on these kind of social systems of white supremacy and misogyny because it was built on the back of slaves. So naturally, just when you when you carry over all those experiences, what I, what is it called? Um, 
um, when pain is found within gene codes or DNA. Um, ep epigenology, wait, let's see. Want pain carried in DNA? I'm literally Googling it right now. Ah, I forgot the name for it. Um, but yeah, like emotional pain can be can be car carried over, um, basically passed down from generations. And I th black people definitely have experience with that. Um, you can think of it, yes, too, in terms of what you carry over. Um, just within family systems too. So I don't know, like both in your and my experiences, if our mothers had issues with black women um, growing up too, and they are carrying that trauma in their body, then essentially, yes, it can be passed down through to us as well. Um, and I think just like, as we become more accepting and loving of our blackness and our culture and really learning that no white people don't have like and when I say like white people I, I really am pushing to the point just white supremacy right because I know not all white people are racist um, but white supremacy in itself like we can't deny it did come from racist white men who formed like these kind of social systems around the country so that they would stay in power. And it doesn't just um, affect black women, it affects a lot of different marginalized groups. Um, even I think like in terms of dating, how for so long, especially like my, my early years, um, just dating in high school, it, it was such a competition, like there was just not enough black men you know, and it was, and I think that kind of competitiveness um, came from that also with, with black women that made me just honestly like, okay, I'm just not, I don't want to date right now. I don't, I don't even want to deal with um, any of the upsets, like black guys that I had like experiences around dating black men where it's just like, okay, black guys can be complicated enough just trying to date. I don't want to have to deal with having to possibly like constantly be in fights with other black women because of who I'm dating at the time. Yeah, and because also too, a lot of especially young black men, which they didn't, they didn't know where it stemmed from. But of course, they like recognize that competition within us. They utilize that as a weakness and further emphasize that mm -hmm. the, the competition and utilizing that to have power. Exactly. I was watching, um, okay, so one, I'm actually really behind on a lot of core, like black culture films and I've been catching up yeah. all through quarantine. <laughs> yes. So um, I was watching Two Can Play That Game with um, Veronica a few weeks ago. Yeah, and it was like, I was like, okay, I, I like it, but this is also really triggering. Like mm -hmm. who, who Gabrielle Union represented as I, I forget what they call, tried to call her, but just like basically, yeah, like the the hoish black girl who was here to yeah. steal your man. And it's just, and, and to think that like that was okay, like proper tag that we really gave because I would see that same character represented. And unfortunately, like, I don't know how Gabrielle Union got typecasted into that role, mm -hmm. but yeah, she would honestly play. Oh, yeah. I think it's character. called like a, the June... 
like the term is called the June something something. I was watching a video about um, about the, the the original film that Carmen was based off of, and mm-hmm. they said the term, and I, I just forgot it. Wow. But yeah, it's called a June something. Mm, yeah, I would I would love to get into that because um, you you see it you see it so often. You know, is she she's pretty and successful and she wears red and stuff yeah she's here to take your man um (laughs) i almost got put in a situation like that but i was like i will not be the june (laughs) (laughs) i'm not here for it yeah like (laughs) it's not here for it or even the idea just like i i think um you know looking at like all men cheat and how that was placed into our subconscious like from a very early age and um it's it just it just really sucks i even think like what's still perpetuated and honestly why i stopped watching these shows on real housewives and i was uh talking with my friend um derek yesterday we were just catching up and i asked him like has he been um you know watching these shows because i've been really off from it but he's he said something about this season um real housewives of uh potomac i think that season and how it's just getting really messy and apparently one of the women is remarrying and uh her ex-husband for the show and i was just like i don't know what's going on but this seems like if you want to stay relevant on these shows you honestly have to have a very messy life yeah and just sell your soul a bit yeah and give no give away your morals your ethics they want drama, they want the messy, they want the disgusting, they want the things that will make people gasp. But I'm like, yo, these are these are people's real lives. Like this right. is reality TV. This isn't a script. Exactly, exactly. And and it's just sad that, you know, there there still has to be a perpetuation of um black women just not getting along. And I I think that like I definitely I, I definitely think it's changing like clearly um you know the idea that black women don't get along is it's not something that I think is based um so much in truth as more so again it's it's an idea that or a concept that we see kind of mirrored in a lot of like popular media um at least thinking like for today um but I, I love the way that insecure kind of covered it um between like Issa and molly's relationship um and and more so diving into not just like um relationships between black women and how complex it can be but just relationships that you carry over from college um and i think they she she covers it in a really um beautiful um and really real way because at the at the end of the day we are here to support each other and we are here to love on each other and just thinking about what we've been through as black people like we are here to to stand in camaraderie but there are these um these systems and these definitely this energy sometimes that can really get in the way of it and um it just it, it really sucks just thinking about how white supremacy can tear so many different areas apart yeah yeah it becomes innate for sure yeah mm-hmm. i would say that 
Um, but also, too, I, I think it's important for us now that we are becoming fully conscious be- beings mm-hmm. and adults um, that we get out of that mindset. Yes, Because absolutely. at a point, you can say, oh, scarcity complex, white supremacy. Yes, that was the basis. But are now that we we know this are we are we going to continue to accept this lower vibrational ways of thinking and operating because mm-hmm. i still do have you know i still do know people who fully 100% operate um in that way where it's frenemies all day like my the entire circle is filled with fren- frenemies wow. and the one or two real friends that they have they don't really they don't value or cherish or pour into those relationships um so it's definitely definitely a learned behavior a learned way of living that is 100 percent carrying on like for instance we talk about you know when when we used to say i, I can only be friends with you, you know men um because x y and z if a grown woman says that today I don't trust you. No, like exactly. What are you still, <laughs> what are you still holding on to that makes you choose that? The, yeah, mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent a choice. And after everything that has gone on, if that's the way that you decide to live, and you still don't, you still haven't felt to look at your sister and, and chat with her, and you know, find support in someone who is walking your walk. That is something that I don't one hundred. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. I don't understand at all. Like I have seen people nourish their friendships with males while they um, let their relationships with black women just be whatever it is and serve serve it with so much disrespect. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, we, it, it's definitely time that we grow from that. And I haven't, I haven't always been on this end of the spectrum. Like I have had two friends, two relationships. They were actually with white women that where I was the toxic, toxic friend. One of them, I was just putting out all my anger and my aggression, my trauma out on my friend. I did not hit her. I did not cuss at her. Let me just say that right now. But I was, I was passive aggressive in some, I would, I would use my authority on her. Like I, she, she would follow me and I knew I could lead her. Mm. I wouldn't lead her into doing crazy things. Let me just <laughs> put that disclaimer out. But I did take yeah, advantage. This woman robbing banks. <laughs> no, no, I didn't do anything to manipulate her or anything like that or make her feel bad about herself. I would just be just not in the bad mood, meaning a good mood. And I would take that out on her because she would let me. And mm. did I call and apologize? Did we have a conversation about that? I'm not 100% sure if I had a conversation with her about that. I know we stopped being friends. We did. We did. And I, you know, I apologized and I was like, I'm, you know, what, Ashley, I'm going to, you know, I am sorry and I'm going to be better. And then there was this white girl named Ari who it definitely was like your black and white um, mm-hmm. scarcity competition she just had vibrant energy i saw a lot in her that i wanted i felt that i felt small in her presence and um we both have this complex but she was a little bit more elevated than i was at that time she she knew what it was and she would actively say like hey like i'm intimidated by you because of xyz like you're a black strong powerful woman you do this you know she would tell me this 
and I would, I wasn't honest with her about how I was feeling, you know? Um, so I ended up being like passive aggressive to her and we ended up having a bad fallout. And then I, it took me two years, unfortunately, to, um, it, well, it took me a year to realize what I had done wrong, but it took me two years to be like, you know what, I have to call this, I owe her an apology. I have to let her know that it wasn't, you know, her. You know, it wasn't her, just her and why we fell out. So, right, right. Yeah. So, I, I, and also, too, I had a falling out with um, a girl who I was, I was in this like frenemy type of relationship. It was a trio. I wasn't being a frenemy. I can 100% say I wasn't being a friend of me. I was just being me 100% authentically. And I didn't, that wasn't the, the situation from um, the other girls and one of them particularly we had a very bad dynamic we had a bad falling out and we recently came together because the third girl on the trio like is our mutual friend we stayed growing our relationship and we just naturally came together and in order for me to move forward with her I had to have an honest conversation with her like yo like this happened three years ago or two years ago but that was very real and I need to understand like what was going on and let you know that unless we talk about this, I'm not going to be able to genuinely move forward with this friendship because that cannot happen anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, I definitely do think that it's important for us to recognize our faults and that we 100% address it. And I respect that friend um, who has come back into my life because she was 100% honest. Like, you know, I was jealous. I was envious because of X, Y, Z. And I'm, I'm really sorry. I wasn't in the best place. And mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing now to not be that way anymore. Yeah. I have so much respect for her. Yeah. I love that. Um, I, I really, really love that because it, it does take a lot of courage to come into a situation and admit your own faults. Um, and and I think that if there is a chance to to nurture something with somebody, then then take that opportunity. The, there will be situations where just the relationship dynamic was not meant to work out. Um, and and I think like what you were bringing up with like your mom and stuff, I found myself in situations um, where I would constantly be very gracious and for forgiving um and giving in in situations where it didn't necessarily warrant that or just or situations where i just intuitively knew like we're very different people and though i'm not a bad person and you're not a bad person when we're together we just kind of bring out the worst in each other um yeah and and that's just something where okay here's a very clear boundary where i'm gonna have to set with this other party to yeah like it, it can't be a certain form of closeness and that's okay too um and sometimes you love people from a distance but if you can you know i i think have that open honest conversation of like yeah i'm sorry i wasn't in the best place because we've all kind of been there where depression anxiety or just loss like we don't realize sometimes how much we project that and how that can kind of skew a lot of different experiences in our lives and especially like our relationships. Um, 
I will have to, I have to really monitor myself because I don't realize how, if I'm kind of like sad and feeling angry or resentful, whatever kind of negative feeling, how much that really bleeds onto other areas. Um, so it's something that, yeah, I'm really catching myself into. Yeah. Same here, especially during you, this quarantine, like one, I have to count my blessings because I am so abundantly blessed but there are things that I deeply desire that I don't have you know um and sometimes I have moments of not feeling the best about it you know and I have to be like girl ooh, no foo honey like ooh, like I stop myself in my tracks like oh girl don't don't be evil <laughs> you say you're gonna be evil today is that what we're doing or is that what we're gonna do while God is blessing you with x y and z you want to you want to be evil you know, when you have these lovely people in your life, you want to think some type of a way about them for something that you will have when it's meant for you. Yeah. Don't be evil. Don't be, evil, don't be disrespectful and don't be ungrateful. Ooh, don't be ungrateful. Don't be ungrateful. No. You gotta slap yourself upside the head. Cause if you ain't gonna do it, who gonna do it? Yeah. Gonna wait for God to do it, and He gonna show you in a way that like <laughs> He gonna show you at the end of the day when you you don't have anything because the resent has taken over all aspects of your life, and you weren't even in the right mindset to Denoted. accept what was coming. Man, yeah, a, a word, a word. Before you ask and ask and asking for more and more and more, take a second to sit in gratitude for what you have because mm -hmm. you have a lot. You have yeah, a lot. and I am a firm believer that if we want it, we will get it in this lifetime. Like if we want it, we're going to, it's not like we're not going to get it. Like, I think the common pieces are, are love and money. Like yeah. I, growing up, I didn't see women in relationships or loving relationships. So I honestly thought they didn't exist, but wow. now I'm like, they definitely do exist. And everyone deserves that. And everyone will get that as far as money to me, like one, my number one, like money affirmation right now is I reside where the money is. I am where the money's at. I am where the money resides. I am where the money resides. Shout out it's, to that man. Money is definitely a frequency. Like I've realized like, you know, I don't have to, I don't have to exert myself to, to get it. I don't have to, like, of course you got to work hard. Like not saying don't do anything because it's not going to come, but I don't have to overexert myself. I don't have to feel any type of way about anyone else's money because money is a frequency. Money yeah. is circulating and it, it, it comes to me. It, it yeah. comes to me. You know, I have a good relationship with money and I think everyone, everyone can have that, you know? Um, so yeah, that's yeah. my thoughts on that. Boop, boop, boop. This was a very thorough conversation. Yeah. Um, is there anything we missed? Um, man, I love black women. I do. Too. I love us. I love us. Um, and I think what makes us a part, like a part of our beauty is that we've been through so much and that we can talk about these challenges and mm -hmm. in, in a very like growth oriented right. way. Yeah. Like you want to say, um, like, let's end it on a positive note. Yes. Like, let's share some ways that we have addressed our um, barriers that have been um, keeping us from um, building meaningful relationships with black women. Yeah. Um, I think definitely for me, like this 
whole year has been about challenging so many of my beliefs um, and just really being able to look at how I've been um, closed off in certain ways, how I've, you know, allowed certain preconceived notions like from past traumas to prevent myself from um, having new experiences with people, getting closer to people, and really just kind of dismantling a lot of that. Um, some of it has been through courses, some of it's been through, through books, but I think the most rewarding thing has been through just actual one-on-one -on -one relationships, like having conversations and like how you had with your friend and being like, hey, you know, this makes me feel this kind of way and I love you, but like, let's work on it. And it's something that's super positive and the other um, person doesn't leave or it doesn't turn to like a, a fight or something negative. It's just, it's very healing. And I think as more of those experiences continue to happen, then those original um, core beliefs of th that flight or fight mode or feeling like, um, you know, this is going to be a negative situation, those just com completely start to go out the door. Um, so that's been really positive for me to just see or just to flip everything I knew on its head and replace it with something that was so, so beautiful and full of gratitude. Lovely. Yeah. I'd say for me, definitely like always shooting to, to be to my soul star, to be the person that I dream of being holding mm -hmm. myself accountable and showing up for myself has been the number one way that I've been able to be in a state of love as much as possible. So I can reflect any type of um, feelings of en envy, jealousy, and, and whatnot. That would be number one for me. Whenever I am feeling like I am small compared to someone else, I'm like, okay, that should inspire me. Like that should inspire me. I need to turn it up. I need to make sure I'm showing up for myself because if I'm showing up for myself 100% and I'm working towards the things that I want in my life and this isn't just money. This is with my fitness. This is with my heart. This is with my eating habits. Me taking time to go to the beach and stuff. These are all things that I look at that I want for myself and I'm working toward. So I can, I can never feel like I'm small next to someone cause I'm doing my best for me. And then I would also say me just making sure I'm being disciplined and I'm being my number one supporter and my number one teacher. So that positive self-talk, stopping myself in my tracks and being 100% honest with myself. Like, again, asking myself, are you really going to put hate out in the world? Mm. Are you really not going to be grateful for the things that God has put in your life? That self-talk has helped me so much. And then also too, something that has definitely helped me is I think it's so important to hold people accountable and set barriers. Because once we start doing that as a collective yeah. and we start setting the standard for what is and what isn't acceptable, that's what we will all start to adhere to. And also it's important for me to intentionally make and nourish relationships with black women. Yeah. 
Because that's just going to help my children and their children and their children, you know? Your first experiences and examples of Black sisterhood is from, like, your mother, your sister, their friends, their family. So it's important for me to build that for myself. So when I do have children, I'll have good examples there. And also by me intentionally working on my friendships, I work on my relationships with the women in my family as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I learn better. I learn about me. I learn more about different types of people. I learn how to how to show up in certain ways to maintain relationships, you know? Yeah. So that's that. what I would definitely say. I get this card a lot. Um, I think it's called Parchakarmak, Nourishment of the Soul. Mm, let's see. Give yourself permission to be nourished. This includes your body and also providing your heart, your mind, and your soul with what they are hungry for, meaning sweetness, divine love, and permission to be authentic. When you feed yourself that which truly nourishes you wisely and generously, you shall become one who can also feed in the world for which it truly hungers. Explore and experiment with nutritional wisdom which suits your body at this time. Understand that it may change over time. Remember that caring for the needs of your body is more important and spiritually mature than trying to force your body to meet the expectations of a belief system outside of yourself. Don't starve yourself out of what you need on any level of your being, including peace, solitude, love, time spent in spiritual communion, artistic expression, and nutrition. Answers are coming for your questions about all forms of nourishment, including nutrition. So do not give up when you are so close to finding your way. If you have been struggling with your needs being met on some level, a blessing is given to help you into more nourishing and abundant situations in all areas of your life. Well, I think that's that's such a great card, just not only for quarantine, but just what we were talking about in, in terms of really that kind of self-love. Because um, you were honest, you were talking about when we were closing out, you really taking the time to to nourish yourself to be disciplined in certain areas out of a place of self-love and how that's really helping your overall relationships and I think maybe what that message is talking about for the greater collective is through our own nourishment through healing our own pain through acknowledging where we still might have belief systems that are kind of pulling away from us more so than they're nourishing us are going to help us be um, better comrades and better friends for other black women who who need our support too oh yeah I, I definitely think it's it's all from a place of of self-love that is ultimately going to give us a lot of healing 